Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the church or you want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at thechurchrc.com. Or we would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app. Available for free anywhere you download apps. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Acts 9, 10 through 17. I love this guy. A man named Ananias. Says, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for me, one called Saul. Come on, somebody say one. Uh, Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Come on, God is talking about you. To someone who needs... That's a whole nother message right there, but it'll preach. Ananias is coming to you and in putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go pray for him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard of this man, uh, how much harm he has done to your church, your saints in Jerusalem. Because you have to understand that Paul, the guy that he was going, Saul, who he was going to pray for, would, was uh, taking people into prison who called themselves a Christian left and right. Like he was doing some really bad things. And so Ananias obviously has heard about this and he said, uh, I, I, I've heard about this man. He, he has pr- uh, the power to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, oh, you're good. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Don't worry about it. I, I didn't know what he had. I didn't know. Oh, my fault. Sorry to bother you. Go back to your business. No, no. So, my, no it says go. Yeah. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, it's hard to call an enemy brother. It's hard to call somebody who is imprisoning your friends brother. It's hard to call uh, somebody who is doing you wrong after wrong after wrong, brother. But Ananias goes in and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road uh, as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, Get in the Game. Get in the Game. Come on, tell three people around you, say, Get in the Game. Get in the game. Lord, right now, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that every ear in here is open, receptive to hear your word. They didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, get in the game. You know, uh, when we first moved to Royce City to plant this church, uh, we'd just gotten settled in. And my son decided that he wanted to play baseball. 
Now, he had played a few uh, seasons uh, in the town that we came from, Sulphur Springs, uh, but he hadn't played in quite a while. But this time, he, he got here and he decided, you know what, I want to play. I, I want to play baseball again. And so we went down and we signed him up, and he was so excited to play baseball. Uh, a little bit of time goes by, and uh, about two weeks passes, and we get an email informing us that even though we had signed our son up for baseball, there was not enough coaches to coach the teams. I, I, I picked a hint up that they were sending and I prayed and I fasted for a coach for days, right? I was like, I, was, I mean, I was on my knees, Lord, I pray right now, God of heaven, send a coach my son's way so that he... Uh, he can be a part of this team. And finally, uh, nothing happened. So I signed up because I didn't want to let my son down. Uh, my, my son was much younger then. Um, and we got all the kids who didn't even know what a baseball was. I think their parents just made them sign up and they were, to, they were happy to be there. And the first practice was awful. But here's the thing is that when I go down, I don't go down by myself. I took Pastor Jimmy with me. <laughs> if I was going to have to coach, even though he didn't have a kid on here, you're coaching too. J- Jimmy, you're going to be my assistant coach. And he was like, no, I'm not. And I said, yes, you are, man. We're in this together. And we showed up. The first practice was awful. <laughs> and let me just say this. It didn't get a whole lot better from that point forward. These kids could not throw a ball. They couldn't catch a ball. They, they didn't even, they didn't know what position was what. They had no idea. Most of them thought, they, they didn't even know the difference between first base and third base. It was, I was like, are you kidding? How have you lived seven years on this earth and don't know the difference between first and third base? Come on. Who are your parents? I mean, what is going on here? I mean, and so I, I'm like, okay, well, here we go. Like, Pastor Jimmy, let's do this. We're going to make this thing happen. And so we started working with these kids. And we practiced. And we practiced. And we practiced. And it seemed like we just kept practicing, trying to get them better. Week after week after week. And you know what? They got better. They still were losers, but they got better. They did get better. Every one of them loved to play the game. Every one of them was excited to play the game. Everyone was pumped to be there. They knew they were awful, but man, they were having a blast doing it. They knew they kept messing up, but guess what? They were having a good time. Everyone loved to be in the game, except for one. I had one kid that would show up at every practice, He would show up at every game and he would sit on a bench. And I would walk over to him and I'd say, hey, you ready to play? He'd look up at me and say, nope. (laughs) This is baseball. It's a whole bunch of people participating. I don't want to play. Week after week, after a week, I would ask him, hey, are you ready to learn how to play? You ready to go out there? Are you ready to do this? Nope. 
not interested. The parents got mad at me. Why aren't you putting my son in? I was like, talk to your son. He won't get off the bench. He doesn't want to play. He was happy to be at the game, but he didn't want to be in the game. He was happy to cheer his friends on, but he didn't want to engage in what was going on on the field. He was completely happy sitting on the bench eating sunflower seeds and daydreaming about what was going on. See, here's what I understood after that moment right there. Somebody who would just sit on the bench over and over again. I could fix about anything. I could teach you how to catch better. I could teach you how to throw better. I could teach you how to field the ball better. I could teach you how to hit the ball better. But I cannot fix complacency. I can't fix somebody who won't get in the game. I can't fix you if you won't actually engage in what's going on. And here's the thing. There's a lot of people in the American church today that are happy to be at the game, but they don't want to be in the game. They come into church and they sing their songs. And I'll lift my hands if they sing the right one. Oh, I ain't worshiping today. They picked the wrong list. (sighs) Can you believe she she sang that song last week? Can you believe that? No. You got to bring it better than that. They're happy to be at the game. They amen good preaching. They amen good preaching. They clap their hands. They sing their songs. But here's the deal. Is that Monday through Saturday, they refuse to engage in the game. Here's the thing. Is that if we're not careful as a church, we can be in, in the same danger as the rest of the churches out there and make Christianity a spectator sport. Christianity, God called you. God appointed you. God has set you apart. God has made you. You became a Christian not to sit in a chair and clap your hands and sing a song. Yeah, those are good things. God has called you to get in the game. Be a part of what's going on. Be engaged. We'll sit on a bench. Be willing to say, you know what, God, I, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to do. I'm willing to go. Whatever you need me to do, I can do it. And here's the thing, church. I want you to understand, I am guilty. I'm going to be completely transparent with you and let you know, I'm guilty of this. I'm a pastor, and I'm guilty. Because sometimes I get so caught up in what's going on on in the church that I forget to be the church. I get so caught up in what's going on, like, man, we've got this happening and this is going on and we're trying to fix this and, and and man, I've got, I've got how many hospital visits? I've got all of this stuff to do. And I get so caught up in doing that that I forget to reach out to the barista. I, I forget to be the church. Monday through Saturday, I forget to do what God has called me to do. And because, because what happens is, is I've lost focus that I am carrying a message that changes lives. I'm carrying something. I'm carrying a message of hope. I don't know if you know this or not, but my Bible says this, that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
I don't know if you know this or not, but my Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. I don't know if you know this or not, but all of my sins are forgiven and I have grace for the next day and the next day after that. I don't know if you know this or not, but I carry a message where it says that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, I am healed. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are people in your communities, people in your workplaces, people everywhere you go that need a message of hope. Not a carrier of religion. I'm a carrier of hope. That's what I'm carrying. I'm carrying a message. How many of you, when you find a product that changes your life or makes your life better, share that product with everybody? I'll tell you this, and I should get paid for this advertisement. We tried HelloFresh life-changing they send all the groceries to you in a box it's all in a box you don't have to go to walmart it's in a box everything you need to make a meal right there with simple to follow instructions i'm like chef brian here man i'm rolling out stuff and i'm like yeah i always tell my friends and family i'm like yeah i just created this i just thinking through some things and thinking these ingredients would really work no they don't believe it but it, it, was, it was one, I, I called my best friend and said, hey, dude, you got to try this. I tell people, hey, you got to try this, man. This is so good. This will help your life. If you're busy like me, this will help your life. If you got stuff going on like me, this will help your life. And so I'm telling everybody. And then I felt this quickening in my spirit that said, why don't you talk about me like that? Talking about a box of food. And the thing is, is a product can make your life better, but Jesus can change your life forever. We're carriers of hope. We have a message that changes lives. We, We have a message that will actually change somebody's life if we'll just do it. Here's the thing, is that that most Christians, I don't believe this. I don't believe that most Christians won't share their faith because they're lazy. I think that most Christians won't invite their f- friends to church or, or share their faith because they've disqualified themselves. They, they think that they shouldn't because they think, I know who I am and I know what I've done and I know that I, I, I haven't really done everything that I'm supposed to do. See, psychologists will tell you this, that you have two major filing systems in your brain. In these filing systems, one filing system is all the good that you've done. All the stuff that you've done right, all the, all the places where you nailed it and you did a really good job. And on the other side is all the stuff that you did wrong. All the places you messed up. And what psychologists will tell you is your life will be greatly affected by which drawer you go to the most. And I think when it comes to inviting somebody to church... When it comes to telling somebody about Jesus, when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to reaching out to somebody, most of us go to the drawer that has the wrong information. And we begin to pull all the reasons why we shouldn't. You hypocrite. Who are you? Don't even think. And we go to this wrong drawer. And here's the thing, because we think about all the places that we messed up. We think about all the places that we did wrong. 
We, we think about all the places that we've fallen short. You know, you, you're sitting there, you're like, oh man, I can't invite my neighbor to church. They heard me screaming at my wife a week ago. Like it was, it was going down for real. Like we were yelling at each other. It was bad. Wasn't good. I, I, I can't invite him to church because they've been my neighbor for a long time and they hear, they've heard some of the fights that go on in my church, uh, on in my house. Who am I to invite them? Well, I can't invite my coworker because I repeated that filthy joke, man. And it was funny, but it was bad. And I know that it's, it's something that I should, I can't invite them because that, that would be wrong. They, they would think about that automatically. But here's what you don't understand. Is that, yeah, your neighbor heard you yelling at your wife the week before. But your neighbor's been your neighbor for a long time. And they remember a time when you were yelling at your wife every week, every day, every night. And now then they're noticing that the fights are becoming less and less frequent that it's becoming a little bit less and less explicit. Now then, instead of you peeling out of the driveway, they see you and your wife walking down the driveway, holding hands, going on a walk. Now they're seeing your life beginning to change, and they're wondering, what is different with them? What's different with them? What, what's going on in their marriage? Because my marriage needs help. Because me and my wife are still fighting like cats and dogs all the time. My marriage needs help. And you're disqualifying yourself because you think you've messed up too much. You think, I can't do this. Here's the thing is stop disqualifying yourself because you're not perfect. If your neighbor's waiting on you to be perfect... They're going to be waiting a long time. See, because God always chooses and he always uses people that aren't perfect. Always chooses and he always uses people that aren't perfect. And I'll give you an example of this. I'm exhibit A. My wife is exhibit B. Pastor Jimmy's exhibit C. Pastor Nancy is, she's, she's D through like F. Uh, Michael Martinez, come on, we can keep going down the list and every one of us would look at ourselves and we think that everybody around you, you've got it all together. You, you're perfect. You don't have the issues that I've got. You know, you don't understand all the things that I've done. No, here's the thing is that God knows who you are and what you are and the things that you've done, but that does not change the message of hope. That doesn't change what God has called you to do. Acts 4.13, I love this. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they all had Harvard degrees. When they realized that they were extremely bright seminary students. When they'd gone to Bible college for four years, they have their doctorate. No, it doesn't say that. It says this. It says, when they, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, If you really want to get real technical here, the Bible actually calls them idiots. When it realizes that they were idiots, they marveled and they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. 
See, here's the thing is people in your life don't need degrees on your wall. They don't need you to go to seminary. They don't need you to be perfect. They don't need you to fly in wearing a cape. They don't need any of that stuff. They need people who had an encounter with Jesus to send a message of hope that if he changed my life, he can change your life too. If he made my marriage better, he can make your marriage better. If he healed my body, he can heal you. If he did something great in my life, do something great in yours too. It's just encountering Jesus. It's just saying, you know what? This is, this is who we are and this is what we're called to. And this is what we're a part of. Don't live your life trying to be perfect. Live your life pointing to someone who is. Don't live your life saying, oh, well, I can't invite him. No, you know what? I have shanked it. You know what? I have messed it up. You know what? I'm not perfect. You know what? I've fallen short a lot of times in my life. You know what? But Jesus is perfect. Jesus has it all together. Jesus is fixing me. Come on, tell your three neighbors around you, say, get in the game. Your neighbors need you. Your coworker needs you. Your family needs you. The people in your life need you to be in the game. And it's not as complicated as we make it. It's not really that hard. I love Ananias. We talked about him in, in Acts 9. He's, he's one of my favorite people in the Bible because he's just Ananias. It just says that he was a disciple. It means he was a follower of Jesus. And I think we can learn a few things from him. The first thing I think that we can learn from Ananias, if we want to be in the game, when we leave these doors, when we walk out of these doors, if we want to be engaged in what God has called us to do, here's some simple things that I think that you can take away from him. Number one is we can be moment ready. Being moment ready is this. It's seeing the most in every moment and making the most of every opportunity. It's just seeing the most in every, oppor- uh, uh, every moment and, and making the most of every opportunity. Have you ever missed a moment? And you're like, man, I can't believe I missed. How did I miss that? One day I was, this is serious, y'all. I was standing in line at Chick-fil-A. And you remember back in the day, they used to give away every hundredth meal. Y'all remember that? Am I dating my, I mean, this is, this is the way they used to do it. Do they still do it? Lord, I hadn't been there in a long time that they've ever done that for me. Hundredth meal. Do they still, I guess they still do it. I just need to start counting people before I walk in. I feel like I would have gotten it by now, but. So I was standing in line. I was waiting I was looking at the menu, trying to figure out what delicious chicken I was going to eat that day. Trying to make up my mind, and I wasn't quite ready, and there was a person that was behind me, and I said, hey, you go ahead. (laughs) They walked up, and they said, yes, I would like this. And they said, congratulations, sir. You're the hundredth customer. You get a free meal. All of my world came crumbling down in that moment. Because I wasn't moment ready. When the moment happened, when the opportunity presented itself, 
I was still standing there thinking about what I was going to order, what I was going to make happen that day. And here's the thing is that God always says this. You don't, you won't even know the opportunity. You won't know the moment until it presents itself. So be moment ready. Ananias didn't know what was coming. He was just, I, I have a feeling he was just kind of twiddling his thumbs to hanging out, not doing much. And then God showed up and said this, Hey, I got a job for you. I got something that you, you need to do. I've got someone that I want you to go and reach. And he was moment ready. See, here's the deal is God just wants you to be moment ready. And you don't, that doesn't mean that you're walking around with tracks in your hand, passing out tracks everywhere you go. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying be moment ready. And when God just gives that gentle whisper and says this, hey, I just want you to just invite them to church. I just want you to tell them about the love of Jesus. That's not you. You know how I know it's not you? Because you would never do that to yourself. Because it's a little bit uncomfortable. But I really believe this, church. If you think that heaven and hell are real. If you really believe that, then it's so important that we just be moment ready. Whenever God you speak, a dangerous prayer you can pray every day is, God, I pray that you would use me today. God, use me to help somebody. Use me to change somebody's life. We've got to be moment ready. I love this because our dream team is moment ready every week. They're just ready every week. i got to go. Number two. Get rid of your excuses. But God, you know who he is. He's throwing people in prison. And God doesn't care about your excuses. He cares about people. See, God gives you calling and God gives you purpose. And the worst thing that you could do is give him excuses back. That's the worst thing that you could do. You've got to get to a place where you say, you know what? I'm, not going, to get ri- I'm going to get rid of my excuses. I'm going to do whatever you've called me to do. See, here's the thing, is that if you've ever given God an excuse for why you can't do something that he's asking you to do, you're not alone. If you read your Bible any length of time, you will find out that, that it's full of people who gave excuses. Moses, when God showed up to Moses... He said, uh, hey, I got somewhere. I want you to go set my people free. And he said, no, 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 no. You got the wrong guy. I have a, 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 a stuttering problem. I, 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 I can't. Pick somebody else. David said this, man, my sin is ever before me. Meaning, I sin a lot. Huh? I mess up a lot. Isaiah said this, I'm a man of unclean lips. God, I got a dirty mouth. Whatever the cussing was in that day, I have a feeling that Isaiah was a loose cannon. (laughs) Peter said, I'm a wicked man. Depart from me, I'm a wicked man. See, everybody has the excuse. And I love what God says back to every one of these people. God, pick somebody else that got a stuttering problem. You're called. God, my sin is ever before me. You're called. God, I've got a dirty mouth. You're called. 
God, I'm a wicked man. You're called. Whatever your excuse is, you need to know that we serve a God that is bigger than your excuses. And he's looking at you and saying, I want you in the game because you have a calling. You have a purpose on your life. You're called. Last thing and I'm done. You are the one, you are the one to reach the one. You're the one. Ananias was an ordinary man in an ordinary town, working an ordinary job. And God showed up and said, you're the one to reach the one. I love this. And and you want to know why we're so big on community here? It's because God always uses people to help people. Why didn't God just show up and take care of Saul himself? He said, no, Ananias, I need you to go. I need you to go. And I need you to lay hands on him. And I need you to help him. And I need you to walk with him. And I need you to help him along this journey. See, God always uses people to help you, to heal you, to set you free. That's what God does. He is the power, but he uses us to do great things. Ananias had no idea what that moment meant. See, Saul later on, go on to write two-thirds of the Bible, the New Testament. Ananias had no idea that that was going to happen. Ananias had no idea that Saul would go on to preach the gospel to the far reaches of the earth. He had no idea that he would lay hands on people and see them recover. He had no idea what kind of man this was that he was going to. See, here's the, what, what kind of difference can one make if we're just willing to say, I'm the one. I, I can reach one. I can help one. I can, I can disciple one. You're the one. Stop looking at me to reach the people that God's called you to reach. You get them here, I'll preach to them. But stop looking to me. Stop looking to Pastor Jimmy. Stop looking to Pastor. Stop listen, looking at Brad Foreman. Don't look at those people. You're the one reach the one God has called us to be a church that's always moment ready God has called us to be a church that gets rid of our excuses God has called us to be a church that is always reaching the one amen you know we've got some uh, great exciting things happening here at the church did you get something out of that I've got it I thought it was good I love it God's got some great stuff in store for us as a church. As y'all know, we are launching our second campus in Sulphur Springs, Texas. Come on, somebody. It's going to be good. And God continues to expand our reach. We have people that tune in from all over the world. And, uh, and God just continues to, to expand our reach. And I'm blown away by everything that he's doing. And so we have a special announcement for you today. And I think we have a video that is ready to play, I think. Hello, everyone. Brian and Crystal Sparks here. We're the lead pastors of the Church RC. And we are so excited to come to you today. 
You know, about four years ago, we planted the church RC, and we just had no idea what God was going to do in that short amount of time. God continues to bless us, and we continue to see people in our community and the surrounding communities reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we love what God is doing. You know, we had this saying that we started at the beginning of the year that you are the one. Some of you probably seen it on the billboard or you've seen it in your worship guides. And the truth is, is that we believe that you are the one. You are the one to reach your neighbors. You are the one to reach your coworkers. You are the one to reach your family. You are the one. And so we've decided that as a church, that really reflects who we are because we are all about the one. We've always been about the one. We will continue to be about the one because every person has a story. Every person needs a message of hope. Every person is called for purpose, on purpose by God. And so we have decided that our name, our new name as a church, as we move forward in the coming years, will be One Church. Whenever we started the church, we knew these four things to be true. We want people to encounter Jesus. We want them to find community. We want them to discover their purpose. And we want them to impact their world. With this name change, we know this, that those four things are going to continue to happen. And I believe that this new name, us being one church, we're going to see that happen in so many communities. I believe that what God started in Roy City isn't going to stop here. This is just the starting of all that's going to happen. And I believe that this name change is going to best reflect God's vision and His purpose to see this area reached with the message of Jesus. Hi, my name is Brian Sparks. I'm lead pastor of One Church. Come on, somebody. Come on. We're so excited. You know, uh, I've had some people that we've kind of talked to leadership and and they go, but I, I love our name. And I'm like, I love our name too. That's why I picked it originally. But we're launching a second campus in Sulphur Springs and the church Royce City in Sulphur Springs, Texas does not make a lot of sense. And they said, well, why don't you just name it the church Sulphur Springs and the church Royce City and we'll just do it that because it divides us. And we are one church with one message called to reach one. That's what we're all about. Amen. Now, I just want I just want to clarify some things and then we're going to end today's message, but our name is changing, but our mission, our vision, our strategy and our purpose are not changing, okay? You need to know we are still the same Church, we are. We still have the same purpose. We still do believe in community groups. Come on, we we are still very passionate about everything. In fact, I have more resolve now than I did then. I just believe that God has so so focused me on what we're called to do as a church. When we first moved. I thought, man, God, just 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 let me just just Roy City, and then God God started bringing us people from Roy City, which we're still reaching, and we're still God's doing things. But people are coming from Greenville and Yanis and Rockwall and all over the place. People tuning in from all over the world. God just continues to expand 
our reach, and we're so thankful for that. So you also need to know this. Our staff will be the same. New name does not mean anybody's getting fired, okay? You come in, worship will still be the same. It's still going to be the same, okay? Crystal and I are still your pastors. We are not going anywhere. I don't... I don't know how to make this more clear. Somebody, uh, somebody had come up to me after we knocked, uh, announced the second campus and they came up to me and they said, are y'all leaving? I announced so many times in that uh, about the launching of the second campus. We're not going anywhere. We're still here. We're, we're called to read. We're, we're, this is it. We're happy. We're, good. we're not moving. And they came up to me and they said, are y'all leaving? I was like, no, did you listen to my message at all? We're still your pastors. We'll still be here. Okay. So you just need to know. Everybody just say chill. Just chill out and we're still going to be here. Since we are changing our names, you're going to see some things begin to change. Uh, on June 24th, uh, we will change our social media look. So that means that instead of the church RC, you're going to see one church. Because it doesn't make, we, we're going to just begin to slowly but surely move this ball along. We're not just doing it all in one uh, fell swoop. We're going to kind of just begin to change it. So you're going to see some signs change. Uh, you're going to see some social media change. It's, you can still, you, 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 if, you're, if you like us on Facebook or any social media, you don't have to re-like us. You will just go with us. It's just going to change the, the, uh, the, the name up on the top of the screen. So uh, you will see new signs and new logos uh, on July 1st. So if you're driving along and you say, wait, one church, what's the, is there a new church meeting here in our, no, you're in the right place. Okay. So you're, you're, you're totally fine. July 1st, that's going to begin to happen. And then you're going to slowly, but surely see some signs change along the way. Uh, if you, if you, uh, give to this church, you can still give to the, uh, uh, you can, uh, still, uh, give to the church RC, or you can make, uh, whatever gift out to one church that will begin to change and phase out where it's just one church. But right now we're kind of in this limbo. And so we're changing things very slowly. Uh, you can go to the church for all your information, everything that you need. And eventually what will happen is, is it'll just reroute you. So you'll put in the church RC and our, uh, it'll go to our new website and you, it'll be seamless. You'll know. And then you'll go, oh, they've officially changed the website. So, so there's just some things that are changing. God is doing some great things. And here's the deal. If you've got any questions, you're, we're more than happy to answer it. Uh, any questions that you might have. But I believe that God is going to do some great things. I believe that God is going to continue to move us forward. And I believe that God is going to give us more people than we can imagine. I believe that God is going to give us a message of hope that we're taking not just to to Royce City, not just to Sulphur Springs, not just to Greenville, to the ends of the earth. God has called us to be one church. Amen. 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 You're the one to reach the one. the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com. Thanks and have a great week.